My name is Diana and this is the Family Finance Show, the podcast to help you manage your family's finances better. Every week we share an episode on topics relating to increasing your family's income and managing expenses, controlling your debt and investing for the future. Welcome Warren. Today we're talking about buying a house, probably the biggest purchase that a family will make in their lifetime. So to kick off, let's um, talk about how much of their income people usually spend on their home loan or their mortgage and how long do they usually take to pay it off? Great. It's, it's such a, um, a great question because I think it's, it's something people don't spend enough time thinking about before they even, uh, before they even make the decision. You know, they, they fall in love with their home and they just buy it and, and they almost uh, you know, deal with the consequences after that. So, so I think the, the answer is that most people uh, w- would pay off their home loan if they were given 20 years, they would take 20 years and they'd pay it off. Uh, and and they would spend uh, as much as they can afford. Uh, and I think that's not a great way to do it. So, so to me, uh, if there is an ideal way, uh, it would be a case of saying, do your calculations. I mean, online nowadays, there's so many great uh, you know, mortgage calculators that will tell you how much it will cost, including the insurances and all the stuff that you, you forget about. But, but do it so that you, you, you decide on an affordability number, which is the, um, the amount of time, well, the amount of money you have to pay to, to, to pay off your mortgage in 10 years. Uh, so the fact that a bank says to you, yes, you can, you can pay this off, at, off over 20 years is fine, but, but the house is affordable to you when you can pay it off over 20 years, where you've still got a, um, a, you know, an emergency fund and you've still got enough money to pay for unforeseen expenses and your normal, regular day-to-day life, uh, you know, when, when you've got other things going on as well. But, but to me, that would be the, that would be the answer. Okay, that's a good, it's a good rule of thumb. Um, we didn't buy until much later on in life. My husband and I, well, first I was single and I rented for a long time and then we bought a house. And when we were looking at buying a house, um, I was looking at what would be the um, the trade-off that you would make. Would it be better to continue renting or would it be better to buy? So I was pregnant at that stage and so we needed a bigger space. So we were looking at, for example, renting a three-bedroomed house versus buying a three-bedroomed house. And we'd looked at the interest expense and we looked at the rental expense. And at some point, with especially with bigger houses, it seemed to actually make um, better financial sense to buy rather than rent. Would you say that's um, something that people should do or would there be other ways of looking at renting versus buying? I think, you know, when you're talking about your own home, I think it's it's one of those where, where if you're going to stay in a place for a period of eight years or longer, uh, you know, when I try and run different financial scenarios, uh, I think that the moment you, you, you say, this is the place where I'm going to raise children, uh, we're not going to move from here for at least, uh, you know, let, let's say the child's school career or at least their, their, their junior schooling or something like that, then I think it's a great place to buy because the moment you go through that eight or nine years, uh, what you find is it is actually financially better to, to buy the property than it is to, to rent. Uh, I think the mistake is that people look at their first apartment, you know, when they start working and they say, I'm going to go and stay in that, uh, you know, that it's not even a one bedroom. It's like a half a bedroom and, you know, with a toilet in the back and, and, and a little kitchen and the like. And then, you know, they're going to buy that. And then three years later, they move into something bigger. And three years later, they move into something uh, even bigger than that. And eventually one day they buy the family home. 
And to me, that's a bad call because what happens is you end up paying lots of transaction costs all the way through, uh, lots of uh, you know, lots of interest that you didn't necessarily need to pay, uh, and and maintenance and all of those things. So, so I think, yeah, I do, I do think it makes sense to buy a house, but I think it's it's a long term decision, not a not a trading decision. Yeah, I agree um, about the eight years, keeping your house for at least eight years, which is quite a long period of time. Eight years is, is not short. So when you're thinking of buying an apartment, you'd have to ask yourself, uh, will I stay in this apartment for eight years? Um, what about people who consider their house as an investment? Is your primary, primary residence actually an investment or is it more of an expense? I think it's it's almost always an expense. The the only time that that I would view your primary uh, residence, your primary home as a as an asset is let, let's say for example you buy a place for five billion rand, um, and and that's while you're you know while you're accumulating money and you're working towards your 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 retirement, and you say well when I retire I've already identified how much I'm, I need to spend on the on an ideal place for my retirement and it's not going to be the home I'm in now and let's say that's 2 million rand then you could say well okay 3 million rand out of the 5 million that I've got in my my primary residence in my home that can be treated as an investment asset but but for most of us what ends up happening is we generally stay in a in a in the similar value place to 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 the one that we've bought when we do retire that's my experience so so watching our, you know watching my retired clients they don't generally um, you know they don't generally move into a place that's much cheaper unless they had a big family and then they downsize to to a small house so so the answer is i think it's mainly an expense it's mainly a dead asset and what about um, some mistakes that people make when buying their first house what do you think the biggest mistake people make is uh, it's always about affordability to me. You know, I think uh, it's about saying that uh, you know we absolutely have to have the extra bedroom and the extra dining room and the you know and and, and that kind of thing. And I think that that we generally uh, you know as human beings we want to stay in a beautiful place. We we make this decision um, not purely as a financial decision but also as an emotional decision. And and that that makes sense. You know, you have to you have to enjoy where you stay, and and that's okay. But but the point is uh, that that you don't necessarily need a palace when. You you, when you make that call, and I think that's the that's the point is that the, the things become non negotiable that that are really frivolous, uh, and and I think that you know I always I always look at the house I'm in. You know I, I always I'm, I, I've always told everyone publicly that I'm I'm married to a farm girl, and you know she needed to be in a in a nice garden, so we've ended up buying a house that's attached to a garden, and we don't need most of this house, <laughs> <laughs> and and so that was a big mistake, but that's okay. You know we'll, we we we're happy here, and and you know a secret to a good marriage is a happy a happy. Spouses, you know, is a happy marriage, but um, but I think that that's the the, the the one decision, and and I think you know generally you know there's a there's a rule of thumb in property which is you know buy buy the worst house in the best area you can afford. And I think that's also an important point is don't, uh, you know, don't just always go for the biggest house, uh, you know, be conscious of the area that you're in, make sure that the area is the best area that you can be in, you know, that's close to good schools, that's, you know, that's got a, a positive dynamic where the, the area is improving and growing, that's not that the area is declining. Because, you know, staying in a house for 20 years, for example, and by the end of 20 years, you, you're surrounded by urban decay, that, that could be a terrible decision. Indeed, my mom was actually an estate agent for many years. She did lots of different jobs. My mom, throughout her life, she was a teacher, she was a hairdresser, and for many years she was an estate agent. And when my brother and I bought our houses, um, the main piece of advice she gave us was to try and buy the most affordable house you can in the best area that you can. So don't buy the biggest house in uh, 
a worse area rather try to buy the the better house uh, the more affordable house in the best area so that was um, definitely some good advice I think and also going to back to the point you made earlier where people um, buy a house that's bigger than what they need I see it happen so often and a friend of mine had a really good point about that he said that um, why buy a house which has an extra an extra room in case friends come to visit it'll actually be cheaper over the long run when your friends do come to visit to put them up in a nice five-star hotel you could probably put them up in a five-star hotel for a, for a week every year um, rather than buying and maintaining a house that has extra bedrooms that you don't really need which i thought was really a great point it's, uh, it's actually a lovely point yeah i, I think uh, b- before we moved into this house we, we used to v- rent a really small place uh, that didn't have any spare rooms and we made that decision we identified a nice guest house close by um and and so we would always say to our f- family or friends from out of town you know come stay with us and then we would just um w- when they arrived we would drive them straight to the guest house and and um you know make sure we've covered the cost uh, which worked really well until my mother-in-law decided she wanted to stay for the whole of December one year, and that, that worked out pretty expensive. <laughs> but uh, but I think it's a great call. Yeah, yeah, not not to not to overextend yourself. Um, so I was always a fan of renting before I bought. It's it's quite a big expense to move from um, renting to owning your own property because there's a lot more uh, costs involved that people don't realize. Um, but one of the things I really liked about renting and uh, advice that I would offer people is that it allows you a lot of flexibility as you change jobs. So, for example, I worked at Accenture, which was based in Woodmead, and I could rent a place close to work. And then I changed, I went to work at DSTV, and I could rent close to Randburg. And so that saved me a lot of, more than money, but a lot of time. So I wouldn't have to spend so long in traffic. So I think I really like that flexibility of renting. And renting is 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 definitely something people should consider. I feel like too many people see buying a house as something that needs to be done at all costs but if you're happy renting you should continue don't you think i, I had such a um a brilliant relationship with my landlord for many years uh, it was he, he ended up becoming a really good friend of mine because you know he, he he had a happy tenant i had a great landlord and when things went wrong i just call him and and we'd work it out and i think you know it's one of the excuses that people give themselves to buy a house is they say i don't want the landlord to come and kick me out you know at the end of the year lease or two years lease or whatever the deal is and and i always think you know that, that that's an easy problem to solve all you do is you you do your due diligence on the landlord as well you know before you go and rent the place just chat to the landlord find out if this is the only property they've got or if they've got a few properties what you know is that they they understand this property game and they understand the value of a great tenant and they'll go out of their way to keep a great tenant as much as you'll go out of your way to stay in the place that you want to stay in so so i, I mean i think um you know it's 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 really hassle-free when you rent and i think it you know that flexibility as you mentioned is is really valuable uh, and 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 you know i think the you know too often we end up buying the house which is an hour's drive from where we all work and then we spend two hours of every single day you know, wasting our life in traffic, destroying family time, destroying you know your 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 own health through stress, etc., uh, and and being being flexible and nimble with your with your property decisions is is extremely helpful to to your long term well, uh, health and wealth. The final question then for you, Warren. So we spoke um, on a previous podcast about the steps to financial freedom and debt. Getting rid of debt was one of the first and most difficult steps that we needed to take. Um, would you see getting rid of 
um, a home loan or a mortgage debt as important to achieve before you take the steps of uh, moving towards financial freedom or is a home loan considered good debt? I think it's a, it, it's. I don't want to sound like a like an economist, you know, giving you two sides to the same story, but but I think there there is an element of choice and there's an element of of, of a model, a financial discipline involved here. And so the, the 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 purest answer is that you should always try and be debt free before you start investing, uh, and and the logic is that you you know you've got you've got an interest rate which is a guarantee. And um, and you know if you the faster you pay it off the faster that interest is not compounding against you it's you know and 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 so that there is there's a strong element to that, but at the same time, if you are in a position where you've got strong cash flow where you know that the the, the debt on your home loan is affordable and especially where where we might be living in a, a long term low interest rate environment, it might make sense to say okay I'm always going to pay off extra into my home loan every month. But I am going to start investing once I've got rid of the bad debt, you know, things like your credit card and personal loans and overdrafts. But but I can I can live with my my, my mortgage, uh, you know, taking a bit longer to pay it off because the interest rates are low and because I'm starting to to save and invest uh, my money elsewhere as well. So so I think that that there is a bit of a balance. But 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 for most people, you know, being really aggressive in terms of paying off your home loan faster is probably the best advice first. It, it does instill a great amount of financial discipline. Great. Thanks so much for your time, Warren, and um, hope to get you back to speak about the investing side of financial freedom another time. Thank you so much. That was awesome. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to stay on the journey to improving your family's financial well-being.